episode 15 of Talk Healing to Me. I'm your host, Christina Nicolai. This podcast is all about turning your pain into your power, turning your pain into your purpose, finding meaning in your suffering, and turning that into your light, the way that you spread light in the world, whether that's through sharing your story on a podcast or becoming a healer or a mom or whatever it is, whatever your personal way is. But yeah, that's what this podcast is about. And in this episode, I speak with Dona, who I met on Instagram, actually. And she kind of went on like a two-year Instagram hiatus. So she was away from Instagram for two years. Like I had known her a little bit, not known her, but like would message her here and there about wellness and growth and stuff. And then two years later, she came back and she started posting about her story and I found it fascinating. So I was like, I got to bring her on. Plus, I ended up working with her. She's coaching me now through um, some of the stuff that I've been trying to work through with my relationship and other areas of my life. And what she has taught me so far has helped me so much, seriously, so much. I'm so grateful to her. But she shares about family systems. It's a, a practice that she healed through or worked, helped her work through her stuff with. And we talk about her experience with her mom, her experience with um, physical health issues and how this type of work helped her even heal physical ailments or symptoms. So that was probably one of the most fascinating things that I've heard from her or learned from her. So... If you find that this episode is helpful for you, please feel free to send it to your friends, your family members, post it on Instagram, like, comment, subscribe. This will help more people hear these beautiful stories and spread this hope that healing and growth is possible and that you're not stuck and you're not broken. So thank you so much and let's get into the episode. Hi, Donna. Hi, how's it going? Good. I'm so excited to bring you on this podcast. Like, I'm very excited to be here. <laughs> I just remember, I don't remember how I found you, but I just remember finding you and then you would post little things here and there about your story, about anxiety or whatever. And we got to talking a little bit in our DMs and then you you posted a little bit of your story also on YouTube. And I was like, Hmm, yeah. you know, interesting. And then you disappeared. Yeah. Two years. And <laughs> yeah. Now you're coming back and, and I saw your post and I was like, Oh my God, she's back. And you posted some of your story on, you know, your, your caption. Yeah. So I just thought it would be really, and then we did a session together, by the way, everyone's mm-hmm. she, coached me through like a recent big breakthrough and like right before the two, 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 I don't know how many two portal <laughs> and um, with her support, like it helped me get through a big breakthrough. So I was That's like, crazy. I gotta bring it on my podcast because your experience and your learnings have brought you to where you are today. So if, you kind of want to piggyback off of a lot I just said a lot but piggyback off of like 
your story a little bit. You can start wherever you want, sharing whatever you want, but sharing a little bit of your story and how you got to this place of wanting to be a mind-body coach and working with clients. Okay. Um, So it's kind of, I'll try to make it short because my story is very long and like crazy. But um, basically I was, this all started in the eighth grade when I first started experiencing panic attacks, well, it started with one and right off the bat, um, it happened in school and it was actually, I learned this now through therapy. I thought it was just like a random occurrence because that's what like everyone was telling me like, Oh, something's just wrong with you. But it was because my best friend at the time, we were just about to get into high school and she was moving to a different state. And I just found out that day. So I had a panic attack. Um, because her family was a very like safe place for me. I would go to her house a lot after school, you know, stuff like that. So I felt like that, that whole thing was getting taken away from me. So I had a panic attack at school. The nurse calls my mom freaking out saying like, you need to take her to the doctor. She takes me on the spot within five minutes. This physician diagnoses me with an anxiety disorder and a panic disorder. And he puts me on medication that day. How old were you again? I was 14. And this like, and back at that time, like we weren't talking about anxiety and all that stuff yeah. that we are now, you know? Yeah, no. Um, I don't know. It just happened like that. And um, right away, like I had it imprinted in my mind that like I had a disorder, something was very wrong. He was like explaining to me, like the chemicals in my brain are probably imbalanced and all this stuff and that I need, I'm going to probably have to be on medication for the rest of my life. Literally, they said that to me that day and I was 14 in eighth grade, like middle school. So you can imagine like very impressionable. I didn't know like to how to stand up for myself or to do research or anything like that. I was a child. So um, that started a road of hell for me, honestly, because um, everything kind of went downhill from there because I took it on as my identity and Once you do that, you can spin yourself in a loop, in like a cycle. I'm sorry to interrupt. Like, what does that mean? Like when you say you took it as your identity? So if you're having multiple adults in your life, like, for example, my mom was really reinforcing what the doctor was saying, Mm -hmm. that there was something wrong, that I needed help, that, you know, all this stuff. And then I'm... At that age, I feel like you're trying to find yourself. You're trying to figure out, you know, what what you are in this world. You're a teenager. You're just exploring. Mm -hmm. So you're having all these labels thrown at you because you have this one experience, which was a normal human reaction. I panicked for good reason. You know what I mean? It's like everyone experiences panic at some point in their life Mm -hmm. for various reasons. Um, But having this label put on me, I think made me at a young age, take this on. At least it was like, I, I believed it was my identity. I believed, you know, I'm just this girl with anxiety. There's nothing more to me. I'm different than my friends. I'm weird. You know, something's wrong. And then it would, I like psyched myself out because like, I would go places and I would worry about like, what if my anxiety comes out? What if I panic again? What if this, what if that, but that's all because 
I just want to make it a point that had that doctor not said that to me that day, had one adult, just one, my mom, the nurse, anyone just looked at me and said, what's wrong? What happened today? Oh, that's why this is happening. You're okay. Let's work through this. Let's breathe, whatever. This is fine. You know, people panic sometimes. I would have forgotten about it and just moved on with my life. Them. That's serious. This is really important for you to share. Yeah, because what's happening, and this is happening even today, all these labels. Yeah. Even if people mean well, you can literally be destroying someone's life, like completely. Like I've, this really caused me a lot of severe pain in my life because I believed something about myself that was not true. And when you can, you can manifest symptoms of something if you just believe that you have yes. it Do you understand what I'm saying? That yeah. powerful. it is that powerful definitely if, if you're a kid and an adult a doctor who you look up to is like you respect that person wearing a white coat and telling you like you're sick and you're yeah. not better you need to take these pills then you yeah. believe that and you're gonna live as if that's your truth but if he would have said like what you're experiencing is a panic attack there's like that's a label, right? A label for yeah. that thing that you're experiencing, but would have said it in a way that didn't lead to permanence. Yeah. And like you said, identity, like basing mm-hmm. your identity off, then it, you could you would have had a completely different experience. It's yeah. It's it's insane. But also the other thing that perpetuated that for me is that it served so many functions in my life after that this is what i want you to talk about too (laughs) like i always i've always been so interested in the mind body connection and how emotions and mental pain can show up in the body right but the way that you explained it to me i'm like now i'm like to my boyfriend i'm like okay i'm I'm feeling this. What is this function? No, no, I'm not going too deep into that. (laughs) It's still like, it's starting to open up a new world for me as far as like seeing my sickness, knowing I always knew that, you know, emotions and and your mental health were connected to physical, Mm -hmm. but I didn't think of it in this way of like, what purpose is it serving in this situation or in this moment? Right. Go ahead and explain. My my heart is like pounding talking about this because this is like the harder thing for me to talk about because it's like the deep, you know, Um, but I want I want to talk about it. So um, this is all this is my belief. You know, I don't know if who's right about anything, but I believe from my experience and what I've seen even in a lot of other people, the people around me and I've helped my own friends and family work through certain things is that all symptoms, physical and mental, serve a function in your life. And the like, as, for example, if something is chronic and not going away, it's because it's serving a purpose in your life. So my anxiety and panic kept going for so many years, not only because I was, it was definitely like partially because I felt like that was who I am, my label, whatever. But it benefited me in many ways. Like, I know that sounds crazy. It's hard to say, but um, for an example, like my mother is from Montenegro and she comes from a 
part of the country where people are very rough around the edges, like kind of cold. You know, (laughs) she's like from the mountains, like way up, like where they get like a lot of snow and like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that's, that's the reason for why she's how she is. But um, growing up, I did feel a lack of a connection to her. Mm -hmm. and um emotionally you know all my needs were met like physically and stuff like that of course like I wouldn't say she was a bad mom or anything like that but um emotionally there was just some severe disconnect and I was always longing for that Mm -hmm. so I have two specific memories one of them was when I was seven years old and it's very weird this always like pops up for me But um, I have this memory where I lived in North Carolina. I went on a field trip for two days. They took us to like some beach and they brought us back and I had pneumonia or something. I was very sick. Mm. I remember I was coughing and she looked so worried and she was like holding me. And I remember in that moment thinking like cough harder. This is working. Mm. Do you understand what I'm saying? You thought that consciously at seven years old. Wow. And I was like, okay. You see babies do that. Babies do that. Babies but it's a, it's a survival thing. Yeah. When you're little and you have, well, I don't, a lot of people don't know this, but if babies don't get their emotional needs met, they can die. That's called that. failure to thrive. So the way that I got it as a baby is that this is what I've heard about me as a child is that I would cry and scream a lot. I was always in severe distress Hmm. and doctors would be like, Oh, she has colic. She's the, she's that. I was probably just trying to get some type of emotional connection. Mm -hmm. So this, this loops back to my story with the panic is because that day my mom picked me up from school. She was so worried. She was Mm -hmm. like emotionally connecting to me more. So me getting labeled with that, seeing her care, Mm -hmm. it's not conscious where I'm like, okay, let's do my brain though, must've been like, this fucking works and we're going to keep doing this Mm -hmm. because you're getting your needs met. And this is some, you know what I'm saying? Yes. It sounds crazy. Like, no, dude, no, (laughs) this is like, I fully hear you like 100%. Like, and, and thinking of like how a lot of um, this is true and from my experience and from what I've witnessed with Albanian parents is the way that they show love is protection and caring, like a, in a worrisome way, like worrying. There's, this isn't true for every Albanian across the board, but of course. it's very common for them to show how much they care when we're in survival mode or like we need yeah. to worry about the person we love. Like that's how my parents showed they cared through worry. The- yeah, the way I would, the way I've seen it and what I've come to with my own therapy is that this is hard for me to say, but my, my mother is so emotionally cut off that something has to be very loud to turn that back on. Do you mm-hmm. understand what I'm saying? Yep. There has to be like sirens for her to be like, what? you know what I mean because there's a lot of like pain there there must be trauma there's something where they just check out as I'm talking about like when I was at that age 14 whenever when that was happening and um yeah that's what happened so 
it spun itself into this vicious thing. And I mean, I've just learned that all of this was that within the last three years. So I went from age 14 to 26, not knowing any of this, thinking there was something wrong with me. I've had literally 13 different therapists from the age of 14. I've never not been in therapy since I was in the eighth grade. Um, so it's like insane. Mostly I would do like CBT or EMDR and all this stuff. And that's very like cognitive based and like, it wouldn't do anything for me. Once I started doing family systems therapy with my therapist now, it changed my life forever. Like I can finally be myself and get rid of that bullshit, you know, that was like consuming me pretty much. Mm -hmm. You can't unring a bell. So once you like find out like what is the true cause of why you're behaving the way you are, you can't like go back to it anymore. You know what I mean? That's why I like, I like this because um, a lot of people focus, like they'll have anxiety, right? And they'll think, I need to do all these steps to heal. I need to do this and learn how to calm my nervous system down and this and that, and I'm dysregulated. I just really think all of that is another form of distraction. It's the same as like a label or taking, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with taking medication whatsoever, but I do believe in terms of like anxiety and stuff like that, there are other ways to like overcome it. You know, mm -hmm. some people need it for certain times in their life. You know, that's sure, fine. Sure. I, I took it for a long time. You know, it was prescribed to me. Um, but uh, I believe that once you face the truth, your truth of what is going on, there's there really isn't any other steps for healing because you're not broken. There's nothing to heal. You're just like, oh, and it's almost like a you just like come to yourself and you're like, holy shit. I had this moment, a moment like that happened to me a few years back when I've realized all this stuff. And like, I remember I went home and I was like, I'm never going back to that. There's nothing that's going to make that ever happen again. I haven't had a panic attack in three years. Um, it's like a really big deal for me. <laughs> so, and I didn't do any like type of nervous system regulation or tapping and like all this. And I've done that for years. And the thing, the reason why I'm so like, when I see stuff like that, I'm like, I'm not saying it's not helpful for people. What I'm saying is that telling people that's what they need is not helpful. Sure, that could maybe help symptom alleviation in a moment, mm -hmm. but it's not long-term going to do anything. And I sp I'm, I'm so passionate about this stuff because I spent like over a decade suffering and no, and no one came to my rescue. You know, no one knocked on my door like, hey, I have the answer. I figured all this out literally through like, the amount of times I've hit rock bottom where I like did not want to live anymore. It was so bad. You know, when you're having panic attacks where your heart rate is going to like 215 daily and you have to go to hospitals and stuff like that, it's no joke. So <laughs> that's what was happening. Yeah. yeah. So when you say like, talk about family systems a little bit, because okay. so like, for me, oh, yeah. And this will go into like the journaling stuff I told you because it's yeah. systems. Okay. Yeah. Um, so like, 
for me, I use like tapping and like those little things when I feel like heightened about something, or I feel like I'm going into an interview or I'm going to do something nerve wracking or my thoughts are getting the best of me. Right. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that. So I agree with you in the sense that like, if you want to go deeper to the root of everything, yeah, he's not going to get you there. Right. But there are people like I'm saying, like there was practitioners, for example, who would tell me like, this is going to cure you. And they would, and I would spend like thousands of dollars, like tapping or doing like these ridiculous things. And I'm like, it's not working because it's an, it's another way you're telling somebody you have to figure out how to get out of this. But in reality, there's all you have to do is come to the truth and you're already out of it. All I did was I came to one truth and I was out of it. I didn't have to figure anything out. I didn't have to learn how to calm myself down because the reason I was so wound up served a purpose. So once I don't need that purpose anymore, once I said to myself, you know what? I don't need to make myself sick to get my mother to emotionally connect with me. So my nervous system calmed down. How did you get to that point? Because logically, like people know that, like, I don't need to do that. But like, how did you? get to that point where you believe that in your entire body you know what I mean like not just logically saying that because people know logically like uh I don't think people logically think about that though I never it never even crossed my mind that I was I don't think people realize the the reasons why they do what they do I don't even think they're conscious of it you have to become conscious of the unconscious within you Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, and that that takes so much work that most people don't want to do because they're not uncomfortable enough. The only reason why I did it was because I was so uncomfortable. I didn't even want to live anymore. So, but I'm grateful for that. Mm -hmm. I'm grateful for the discomfort. You know, that's how I feel about my anxiety story because I was in a similar place, going so far to the bottom where you're like, I don't want to live anymore. Yeah. And from there, you have nowhere to go but up. No. (laughs) So, yeah, continue. Sorry. So, (laughs) pretty much, I get what you're saying. Like, people, like, logically can know that. But it's like most people don't even know that they're doing that. Like, I didn't know I was even doing that. I just thought something was wrong with. Let's say you have a girl who has severe depression, right? Mm Mm-hmm. She just thinks I have depression. Like this is how I am. I have a friend who had depression for a lot of years and she genuinely just thought like something's wrong with me. I coached her through stuff and we figured out what it was, which was unreal. Like you would never consciously think about that. And then it vanished. Like it just lifted and it was gone because she didn't need it anymore. You understand what I'm saying? But the reason I ask is because I know people and I've been in situations in the past and I want to hear what your, what your um, way of doing this is because like people will say like, I know that I'm, for example, like I know that I'm binge eating because like it makes me feel safe in that moment or whatever reason. I, I can't think of a reason for now, but they, they know, like, I know why I'm doing it. I just right. can't stop doing it. Mm-hmm. Right. 
usually the reason that they think they're doing it is a cover up for the reason they're really doing it. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. (laughs) If you're so clear about why you're doing something and you still can't stop, that's not the reason. Hmm. That's what I've found. I used to think like, for example, with my anxiety, I had a few years where I was very severely agoraphobic Mm -hmm. because I thought that if I went super far from my comfort zone, it would create a panic attack. So my reason for why I'm having anxiety is because I'm afraid of long distance and I don't know how to stop that. Right. And I kept trying to force myself to do like exposure therapy and drive far and do, and it wouldn't work. I still was getting anxious. So here's my example. That was bullshit. That had nothing to do with it whatsoever. My real reason was X, Y, Z. Once I faced that, I literally drove 20 hours to a different state. Cause I was like, does nothing to do with anything, you know? And it was gone. <laughs> so you so- getting to that truth. So once you came to the real truth, it's like you unlock the door and now you're, yes, you're fr- it's freedom. You don't have to do anything. There's no healing. There. No, there's no, there's nothing like you're just, you're you again. I'm me again. That's what I feel like. It's like, I've, I've finally become myself. I don't know. It's weird. I it's it's hard to put it into words. And like every day I wake up and I'm just like, what the fuck? Like, you know, because it's like where I was five years ago, you couldn't tell me that I'm going to be where I am now. Like, I wouldn't have believed you. I didn't think I was going to make it. So I was convinced that there's I wasn't going to survive all that. <laughs> there's a purpose in, you know, you surviving and surviving it not just surviving it but you know getting to where you are today and you sharing your story right now is one way that you're using that pain and turning it into like your purpose yeah you know someone will hear this and be like oh my god I really relate to her and this is giving me hope yeah that that's the goal that would be ideal for for me to um be able to do that because it would feel like it was worth it. Yeah, you know, right? mm-hmm. everybody wants that. Like when you go through something really hard, you want to feel like it was worth it. Yeah. 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 And that true thing, it, um, sometimes it's not even in your mind. You kind of come to it in your body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like whenever I, mm-hmm, like with breath work, this, it's not the kind where you just breathe in for four seconds, breathe out for this. It's like this really deep one that gets you so like everything else just dissolves. And then you get back into your truth and you feel who you are again. And you're like, God, I've been doing this and this and living my life like that. And you just remember because it's a remembering. It's so beautiful. It's yeah. a remembering. It's a remembering, exactly. Who you are is always there. It's just right. everything else makes us forget our trauma, our, mm-hmm. our external experiences, people, mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. Um, so that reminds me of that. But this is more like um, you come to it in your mind, right? Would you mm-hmm. say it's that? Mm-hmm. I guess. I don't know. I feel it. I definitely feel it in my body too. So I don't, it it feels like a just whole, 
in general. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The way the the major way I've done it is through the journaling that the that we talked about before. Yeah, um, that's really um, it's been really helpful. Like, yeah, I haven't done it in the past couple of days, and I'm like, dude, you can feel it. I need to do it. <laughs> I need you to do it. it. Yeah, it's this. Yeah. So the system stuff that you wanted to talk about is yeah. that okay? So, um, basically, you know how like the world functions in a system like our country whatever then your family is a system mm-hmm. that's the type of therapy I've done which opened my eyes <laughs> to that and then we have this type of journaling that I do is it's kind of on par with like internal family systems therapy have you ever heard of that internal family systems no I think just from you I've heard of yeah that. so basically we all have like a a system in our our mind of the parts of us this is like what they call it like you know um maybe like your inner child your teenage self your adult self like it's like fragmented and the more traumatized we are the like the more trauma we have the more things we've gone through in life the more fragmented those parts are which means they're not connected as a whole they're like one's over here one's here and they all like serve different functions and protect you this one might protect you from this one by giving you this symptom you understand what i'm saying mm-hmm. it's very complicated but the way that i've worked through all that cuz mine was very all over the place um which is why i had a lot of physical symptoms too i for, i don't think i've mentioned that but not only did i have like the anxiety and stuff but i've had a lot of physical really weird physical stuff that like chronic that doctors would be like, this is never going to go away. And then I did this type of journaling and working through this and they would just completely vanish and never come back. So it's just bizarre stuff, but um, I don't, <laughs> I think it's, it's hard for like mainstream people to talk about this because you can't really study that. this. You can't, this. Yeah. you can't prove this. You can't, you can't prove the the reason my subconscious mind is doing something you know what I mean how are you going to study that Mm -hmm. it's like I don't think it's meant to be studied I don't think it's I think powerful (laughs) things can't be proven with science yeah no you just can't it's something very personal individual some everyone's journey is their own i think that's the entire point the more we outsource our healing to other people to things i think the further we get from the truth from ourselves mm-hmm. that's what i believe when i was going to like 10 different practitioners for a million things like reiki and this and that and i'm not i'm literally a reiki practitioner like level 3 <laughs> but like i don't believe that like that's you need all those things to come back to yourself I think they're great tools and they're certainly helpful and they certainly help me in certain situations but the I'm just saying like the more I've spent my time doing that instead of facing what's in me the further I got to myself if you do both that's like incredible you know you have like people helping you and you're working internally that's a whole other like isn't that interesting how like yeah. people want to heal right mm-hmm. and then they get so caught up in trying all these different things and reading all these books and da, 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 that to the point where they avoid their healing I've been there I've done it 
Well, because people want symptom alleviation. Mm -hmm. They don't, the, the healing that we do, (laughs) it's not symptom alleviation first and foremost. It's, it's actually, once you do this work, your symptoms get much worse at first. Once I started this journey, I was on like level 10 of like anxiety and panic. And my therapist was like, that means you're doing it. And I was like, what? (laughs) Supposed to be getting better. She's like, no, you're doing, you're doing it. I was like, I'm doing it. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) It's so like, it's interesting to, don't you feel weird? Like when you look back at that version of you and you were so low in that place, like you're like, who was that? Like, that feels like a different lifetime. Yeah. I, I, I think about it every day, even just like walking outside, it'll, I'll like randomly get like flashbacks of that time in my life. And I'll just be like, I wish I could hug her and tell her like, you're going to, to find out what this all means, you know? And it's, I can't believe it. Honestly, I just can't. Mm -hmm. And I want to help people get to that point because there's no better feeling in the world. It's something that nobody can take away from you ever again. Mm -hmm. You know, once you know the truth, it's like, it can't be taken away. Mm -hmm. And I want people to also understand, like, I know you posted that. I always forget her name. You posted. Yeah. (laughs) I saw that post today and I was like, that's so spot on because, um, why did I just lose my train of thought? Have you ever, you know, had, ever have that happen? Um, oh, when okay. you lose it, so, it means it's really important to you. Okay, actually. so this is what I, <laughs> what I, what I was going to say. Like, we both have this purpose of helping people in the world mm-hmm. get the deep roots of why, you know, they're suffering, right? Right. And, or to, to whatever. You get what I'm saying. So, mm-hmm. I want people to understand that just because that's what we want to do with our lives that like, we don't have times where we feel low or we cry or oh, we yeah. anxiety or we have, <laughs> like the whole point of healing or whatever word you want to mm-hmm. use, getting better or just coming back to yourself. Yeah. Not you being happy 24 seven and you never getting um, affected by anything that happens in life or like you never having a another like moment of anxiety or it's mm-hmm. realizing that you're human. Yeah. Like not trying to cure your humanness. Like exactly. the way that she put it, I was like, yeah, it's so exactly. Silly. Yes. <clears throat> and that, yeah, that's, I've, I agree completely. And I feel the same exact way. And the reason I'm so passionate about that is because so many Right now, I don't know if you notice on Instagram, a lot of pop psychology and all this labeling and theory and this and that, and you're going to have to do all this to heal. And it's like, they're pretty much telling you something's wrong with you and you're going to have to do all this stuff to get better. And it's like, in order for you to like she said, heal your humanness, but it's like all that stuff was normal. It's like the same thing going back to my panic attack. Like that was just a normal experience. You know, I didn't have to be labeled. And um, I think it's like 
the pendulum has swung too far with this healing stuff. Yeah. It's like, everyone's like, I need, I need to heal. I need to heal this. I need to heal that. It's like, no, you like 99% of this shit people are talking about is completely fucking normal. <laughs> it's just completely normal. Yeah. There's nothing, you know what I mean? Sure. There might be like little things like you, you want to work through and improve as a person. You're, you you want to improve yeah. your character. That's a different story, but to label everything as toxic and a problem oh my god i was just looking at that yesterday and i'm like everything, everything is toxic. Well, toxic and i'm this is my toxic trait and i'm toxic and this person's toxic that's, i'm like yeah. that's a really strong word to use for someone who's like hurting and not knowing how to you know like it's just being overused and that's yeah. what happens you know it's it's social media yeah. it's like telephone you just keep using this mm-hmm. word and then spreading it like the word narcissist the word oh, yeah. gaslighting all that stuff is being overused in in situations and it's where it doesn't why happen. it's bad too is because like there are narcissists out there and you're like watering down what it actually means. What it mean, if everyone's calling everyone a narcissist, those who are experiencing real life narcissistic abuse, it's like they're not going to get the help that they need. You know what I mean? It's that's why I feel the way I exactly how, what you're saying. And I'm going to be honest, like I've been guilty of this stuff, like falling into oh, yeah. labels and not like, so it's, it's really, really important that we use our discernment mm-hmm. when we are on social media, yeah. when we're learning what we're learning, when someone, even what we're saying right now, use your own discernment, use your own like intuition mm-hmm. and, and what, yeah, of course. what it means to you. Like, do you yeah. find this to be true for you personally? It's, it's, that's our responsibility as individuals to decide whether that works for me or not. Or yeah. like that, like I've read this thing on Instagram and I didn't really like, this person is like really well known. They have like millions of followers mm-hmm. and I usually love what they say, but this one I didn't really like mm-hmm. agree with. That's okay. Listen to that. Yeah. yeah. Just because that person has millions of followers does not mean that every single thing they say is true or right. true for you. Exactly. The truth for the truth will ground you. If something feels ungrounding, it's not right for you and you just move on from it. That's how I knew this was right for me because immediately I just felt like calm. Like it grounded me like in a split second, this, this type of work that I do. So I was just like, that's, that's what works for me. But everything, everyone is different. You know, people experience everything differently. You know, what might work for me isn't going to work for somebody else. Yeah. That's yeah. what I've really learned with different clients. Like one thing worked so well for this person and then you try it with someone else and it's like, that didn't work for that person. So yeah. you yeah. start to realize it's like, hard. Uh-huh, everyone's journey is going to look differently. And like our job as, as coaches is to kind of work with that person and understand that they're an individual and to try to help them come to the answers on their own. Exactly. Yes. That's the biggest thing I've learned, even with having coaches is like, don't tell me the answer. Help me get to the answer myself. That's exactly it. That's because if you, you're telling them the answer, it's more like your interpretation of it. And then it's not going to be their full truth. So it's not going to feel as good as if they came to it themselves. Also, even Mm -hmm. if you, get to the full truth for them 
they're not, it's not going to stick. Exactly. It's it only sticks. Like, yeah. Like, oh my gosh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You have to be like, oh, I got it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. So the family systems, like how did that help you versus like regular therapy? That, I mean, when I tell you I've probably done every type of therapy you can think of, I've done it. It's the only one that worked for me. And um, probably because it helped me to piece everything together and find out the truth of where all of this originated from, what function the symptoms served for me, my family. Because you have to think when you're close to people, your dysfunction is going to affect them in a positive or negative way. Mm-hmm. If your dysfunction is positively affecting somebody, that's a huge red flag. Mm-hmm. Do you understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. <laughs> if your dysfunction is benefiting somebody in some way because it's distracting them from their pain and they like that and they're scapegoating you. Or for instance, like you being a people pleaser is like a different example of you being a people pleaser and that being benefit a benefit to the, exactly. this isn't like physical chronic symptoms or anything like that but like well it's like a symptom of distress inside of the people pleaser because it's like you're always going to be upset about it you know because mm-hmm. you're not getting what you need mm-hmm. and then that person benefits and that's an issue too right yes exactly Exactly. So that's why that helped me so much is because once you, that clicks and you're like, oh, and then it's a decision where you're like, I'm not going to play this role in your life anymore. And I also don't need it anymore. Mm-hmm. It's all, it's like roles. It's insane to think of it like that, but well, I have a question. Okay. That just you can ask me. You can ask me anything. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so, do you think that you coming to that realization, right? Do you think that everything you had done before that prepped you for that realization to respond to it the way that you did? Or do you? Because, for instance, if someone who had never done any kind of work on themselves went into this therapy and then found out, oh. I get hurt all the time. Like I'm just one of those people who's always sick or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you, they okay. tell, they kind of help you get to that point where you realize that you've been doing it for love or whatever reason. And you don't immediately be like, okay, I'm going to stop doing this. Do you think that the work that you did beforehand led to the way that you responded to it? No. Okay. I don't because I, the way I responded to it was, it's like you have two choices. You know the truth now and you keep doing it knowing that it's like, you'll feel like you're living a lie 
You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Even what I'm saying is something, no, you don't even have to do all this work to make a decision for yourself. You know, the work I did didn't help me to decide what was good for me. What helped me to decide what was good for me was years of suffering and realizing like, mm-hmm. that's not good for me. It's just like experience, I guess. I don't know. I don't think I'm not, I don't regret this work I've done on myself or like all the healing modalities I've tried and stuff like that. I don't regret it at all. Um, I think it's great. They're great tools to have. I use them on and off for various different reasons, but um, that and what I'm talking about are completely separate. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, The reason I ask is because also when I see certain people uh, okay. who are in a pattern and I don't know if this relates to family systems or not but if they're in a pattern that's self-sabotaging okay. and they realize they realize what they're doing right and I know you said this before that that they didn't come to that real truth Mm-hmm. But let's say that they did. Okay. Hypothetically. And they didn't have the self worth, or like they didn't feel they were worthy of whatever was on the other side. Okay. Of that truth. Um, do you think that if they had done some work around the self worth thing, that coming to that truth would lead them to making a decision that was best for them in that context yes I do but I have another like a spin on that yeah tell me <laughs> let's say you have a friend right this girl who what was the d- description of how you said did you say they were self-sabotaging mm-hmm. so let's say she's living a very destructive life she, she's just sabotaging herself left and right dropping out of school I don't know quitting every job dating the wrong men whatever and you have to take a look at her family <laughs> this is this is how I would do it mm-hmm. let's say she has a mom that's very jealous of her mm-hmm. and you you notice that's not a self-worth issue let's say that she's doing that because it calms her mom's anxiety down of being jealous of her because if she never thrives and does well in life her mom doesn't have to feel uncomfortable so she's sacrificing herself for that purpose mm-hmm. because you understand what i'm saying mm-hmm. it's just an example i've literally i've literally seen this this example I'm giving you, I've seen it play out in real life in someone and they broke free from it and their life is incredible right now. Like the, the issue why people usually won't come to it is because you're going to have to grieve that then. Mm. You know why I, it took me so long to come to this. I had to grieve this fantasy of this connection I had with my caregiver. <laughs> you know what I mean? Cause it was false. It was based on a lie that I was sick, that I was broken, that something was wrong with me, that I that I don't thrive and I don't do well in life and that I'm not okay. You understand? Mm-hmm. So it's not a matter of I didn't lack self-worth. I wasn't prepared to grieve that. 
I what because there's grief. This is why I'm coming to this is because there's nothing your brain will protect you more from than grief because it is the hardest thing a human being has to go through, especially grieving people that are alive. Mm-hmm. There's nothing harder than that. There's nothing that you can do that's going to be more difficult. So there's going to be things that your subconscious mind comes up with to protect you from that at all costs as a survival mechanism. Mm. You know, that was deep. So, so people, this is why this whole like movement about like self-worth and it's to me, it's like, is that, are you really, do you really have a self-worth issue or are you terrified of how this is going to shift the relationships in your life if you step into your own power because you playing small is benefiting people around you and you're terrified of facing that truth because you're going to have to grieve that what's the real you know what i'm saying yeah yeah i don't know <laughs> i could be wrong no this it's like this is what I love about everything you're saying because it it challenges a lot of the things that I've been taught. It challenges a lot of the things that I've even spoken about. Okay. And I'm going to be real about that. Like people listening. I'm not trying to. (laughs) I know you're not. I know you're not. (laughs) At all. But no, here's the thing. Like. Just sharing my story. I know. Listen, listen. We don't have to fully 1000% agree on everything that we Mm. both talk about. And right. that's the beauty of this conversation right now. It's like, you're bringing new perspectives to me and mm-hmm. I'm going to take what you say. And then, you know, maybe some things I won't take and then some things I will take and I'll yeah. use that in my way or whatever, mm-hmm. or I'll use that as far as like how I perceive the world, how I perceive, exactly. you know, like, yeah. I know you don't like the word healing, but like, oh, I don't okay. know other word to use. <laughs> um, that's fine. But like you're helping me to think in a different way. And this is the type of shit I like. I like having conversations. If I have conversations with all people that agree with everything I say, I'm not going to grow. Yeah. You know, it's true. So what you're saying is giving me a new way to look at one thing. Right. Like I'm not, I'm, I'm all about talking about self-worth because this is what I've always learned. Mm -hmm. And this is what I've always been. um, One of the things that I've been working through or in my life. But the way that you put it makes me now think of it in a different way. Mm -hmm. So now I can't, it doesn't mean I know uh, how to look at it right now, but I'm going to walk away from this conversation. And then I'm going to apply what you said to my life and see if I can look at it's something you have to sit with yeah yeah so it's definitely something you have to I when I first came to this stuff I had to sit with it for a long my brain when I tell you I was fighting I I would literally like fight with myself about this like there's no way that's that that can't be because I wanted to hold on to this victim mentality that I'm just sick or broken and I'm gonna need to heal for 20 years and all this stuff because I didn't want to grieve this fantasy of my connection to my my mother. Also scary to let go of beliefs. People tie 
you know, are so tied to their beliefs that they were taught growing up or the beliefs that they've had their entire lives. Like, it's a scary thing to let go of. It's um, terrifying. It's because yeah. it's comfortable. It's, it's yes, it's, it's, it's like an old friend. Mm-hmm. You're letting go of an old friend. Um, but it's a bad friend. That's what I realized. My beliefs were a bad friend. That's the way I literally would think about it. I would journal about that. Like this, it's a, it's an old friend, but it's bad for me. It's like letting go of like a toxic person in your life. Like mm-hmm. you don't serve me anymore. You're actually mm-hmm. holding me back. Mm-hmm. You know, me thinking I need to perpetually heal. What <laughs> it's like keeping me in this loop for like 10 more years. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So back into that, I just want to explain one other part with the grief stuff, you know, that example I just gave you with the girl. Mm-hmm. So for me, cause we talked about this before where, um, when I came to realize all this stuff cognitively, like you said, is this like a thing that you just like think about it? Like it's something like with your, your mind that you just work through and yeah, but also it's definitely, you have to viscerally feel your feelings. So in the beginning, mm-hmm. what happened was I was thinking about it. And I consciously accepted the truth. I felt better with my anxiety, all that stuff went away, but then I got a new symptom. Mm -hmm. So I got a very, very severe on my finger out of nowhere. I got a very, very severe case of postular psoriasis, which is so rare. It's the rarest It's only 1% of people with psoriasis have this. And on the finger, the way that I had it, the doctor said there was only like 40 cases in the United States ever in the literature to have. It was very severe and like nothing was helping. They were giving me all sorts of creams and medicines and stuff like that. I've had like a million tests. It went on for a year and a half where I thought my finger was like going to fall off. Like it was so bad. My nail wasn't growing back. I was like, what the hell is wrong with me? Mm-hmm. So I tried, I, I, I know all this stuff, right? About the mind, the body, my feelings. I know that I'm grieving. I'm grieving my, my, my relationship, my relationship with my mother in this way that I've been doing it for 10 years where I'm symptomatic. I had to let that go. But what I realized is I never really grieved it. Mm. I never actually like cried about it. When you think of grief, people don't realize like it's very, very visceral. It's like, it literally like knocks you down where you have to like be down and out for like at least like a week or two or you know there's no time limit I would like cry about it and then I'd be like all right toughen up go go do what you have to do that day I never let myself fully grieve so I I had this theory where I was like okay what if what's happening with my finger is literally like my body's weeping hmm I allow myself to grieve this viscerally and fully. And when I tell you, it literally just completely went away like that. My nail fully grew back within the last few months. I was like, this is the most, and the doctor, all the, I went to like 12 dermatologists because it was insane. Nobody knew like what was going on. Then they finally diagnosed me with it. They kept thinking it was like infections and this and that, but all my, results were clear. They told me this is something that doesn't go away ever. Like this is like one of the hardest things to treat. And I did nothing besides 
Oh, I fully surrendered to my grief. No matter how much it knocked me down, I was like, I'm going to allow you to. What does that look like? Like for someone who has like a chronic symptom and they're like, I don't know what this is tied to. I don't know. And then if they like, what made you come to that conclusion that like, okay, I need to grieve. I need to just like lock myself in my room and cry. (laughs) What did it look like for you? I came to it probably because I have a lot of experience with mind body stuff. So it's like, it wasn't like just out of nowhere. Like I've had so like stomach issues and things that I've worked through with like anger. So this is nothing new for me. Why I was so resistant to coming to that was because my, I was, my brain was protecting me from grief at all costs, but grief is going to come out in one way or another. Mine manifested in this really weird symptom. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's, it's, it's hard. You'd have to like, that's why I want to work with people. You'd have to have someone mirror this for you. Do you understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, it's hard to come to this on your own, unless you've been doing it for like 10 years, trial and error. Like I have, and it's like, who want, who has time for that? Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was not a fun road for me. So why I want to help people with that? Because like, I don't want people to have to go through that. Or think that they're sick forever or like something, you know, even like these chronic, like psoriasis, Mm -hmm. a lot of, and I did my research after the fact and many, there's psychodermatologists, I guess. I didn't even know that existed. And many of them agree that psoriasis is a psychosomatic symptom, Uh often tied to grief and sadness. There's actually, you're going to think this is crazy, but you know where they studied this the most? In Montenegro. Shut up. I will send you the studies in Montenegro. They have several studies where they prove that people who have um, lack of connection, like support systems to their families, their mothers exhibited symptoms of psoriasis. The more severe their lack of connection, the more severe their symptoms were. I literally have these studies on my phone. When I, I was just researching like studies on psoriasis and attachment and all this stuff. I like was trying to go deep and it was like Podgorica Montenegro. And I was like, excuse me, wow, that's, that's highly crazy. specific. My dad was born there yeah. <laughs> like that's in that town. So that I thought that was really weird because it's like so, so random. When you talk about this, like you grieving them. So this is for anyone who's listening who feels like there's a situation with them and their caregiver, right? And then yeah. they feel like they have to mend something with their parent. And that means they have to talk to them or like mend and be, have a relationship with them. So mm-hmm. you don't have to go into detail about what exactly your situation is, but what would you say to people who are in that situation and feel like they have to have a relationship with them in order to heal this or move past this? Are you saying like they have to grieve this and have a relationship at the same time is what you're saying? Yeah. Like for you to get past, once you realize like what your symptoms were connected to, for instance, like your relationship with your caregiver, did you have to have a conversation with them or have any kind of physical or um, verbal anything with them in order for you to move past it? My, my, every, I just want to make this clear that everyone's situation is different. Mm -hmm. My situation, even according to my therapist was very severe. So for me, there was no conversation because that would not 
do any good for me. And I had to come to that realization, you know, play things out. Everyone is different. If, if it's something that would be beneficial, you know, to have a conversation about it, to move forward, that would be beautiful and amazing. I would love for everybody to be able to do that. You know, I think that people should try to, to make things work if they can. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to avoid grief, I guess. <laughs> Cause isn't that the goal? Who wants to, who wants to go through that? Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think, I think, does that answer the question? So what I was, it does, it does the whole, like everybody's different, right? What I want people to understand too, is they don't have to have a relationship with that caregiver if it's unhealthy or it's You don't have to, in order to move past something or heal that chronic symptom or, or whatever you're dealing with, the suffering that you're dealing with, that is tied to that caregiver. It doesn't mean that you have to have a relationship with them in order to get. Oh, no, no, no. Actually, I, from my experience, stepping back, having space to it's almost like okay when you come to these realizations and the truth if you're still so enmeshed with these people they're like that like in your ear you can't sit with it for long enough for it to like integrate you know Mm -hmm. what i'm saying and you to like move through it that's why i had to take a lot of time away from my family um personally for me to fully understand what was going on Mm -hmm. but everyone needs to understand that even if you have to do that nothing is forever there's no like oh my god does this mean like i never have to talk to my dad ever again or there's so many like extremes that people Mm -hmm. talk about like cut them off people out of your life this and that Mm -hmm. there's no black and white answer it's like maybe you need to have some space for a year and then you'll feel better and know how to approach the situation differently with boundaries mm-hmm. and then they'll cross your boundaries and then you'll put more boundaries <laughs> you know what I mean and you'll get triggered and then things will come up and then you'll realize okay I can't call my mom once a week I have to call her once a month you know what I'm saying it's mm-hmm. like it's 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 crazy because it's so hard to give anybody a map for this type of thing because mm-hmm. everyone's what you feel comfortable with and what I feel comfortable with are going to be completely different because my situation, your situation are not the same. That's why I I was so adamant about talking about the discernment thing. Like, like social media is not going to heal you. Like reading uh, something on social media is not going to heal you. Like it, it might help you come up with new realizations, new like ideas and stuff like that. But someone else's healing journey is not meant to be your healing journey. And the reason I asked you that is because I know that there's a lot of Albanian um, listeners on this podcast, people who follow Mm -hmm. me, whatever. And um, enmeshment is something really big around the world, but like in our community, it is, I do want to emphasize on that too. Yeah. It's, it's, it's family over everything, even your own mental health that's that's you know it's more like the appearance of family over everything <laughs> that too yeah <laughs> yeah because family over everything would mean like 
making sure everyone's okay instead of just to look the part. Yeah. I feel like appearances matter so much in our culture. Oh I think God. that's our biggest downfall. Mm-hmm. I do. I agree. I agree. I just keeping up with the Joneses type of thing. It's like, yep. mm-hmm. it's what causes so much pain in many Albanian families, because when that is placed above anything else, you're sacrificing a lot. Yeah. You're sacrificing your relationship with your children, you know, your parents, whatever. It's like, so I think that's, and I'm, I'm very grateful for what I went through because I come from this, you know, this is generational. I'm sure my grandparents were the same and, you know, people before them, this is something that just, I learned, this is something interesting, but I learned that if you don't go the opposite, if you don't go the complete opposite direction of the people before you, you actually become worse than them. Mm. This is like a fact. So my parents, if they didn't go the complete opposite direction of their parents of like the, you know, whatever was like toxic about how they raised their kids or whatever. I hate that word, but I don't know what else to say. Um, they, it, it, it grows, it gets worse. And mm-hmm. then if I do it, it gets worse. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So that's why I had to become so uncomfortable. It's almost like God or the universe. Mm-hmm. I like to see it this way. I know everyone thinks differently, but this is how I view my story is that I came here for a reason to end this, to end this dysfunction so that I have to become so uncomfortable so that I run in the complete opposite direction so that this completely ends with me. That when I have children, when I raise my children, they would never have to do what I had to do to, to have emotional connection to, to their mother. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. They don't have to sacrifice themselves. So I think it's, it's important for the Albanian listeners to, to think about that because I know it's hard. It's hard because you want there to be peace and everything to be okay, but it's not your fault. Just because, you know, if the system is broken, it's not you, it's the system. It's the way things are operating that's not right, but you're you're not broken. You can step away from that, choose something different, and you can still love people, you know? I love, I love my family very much. Sometimes you have to love people from a little bit of a distance. That's okay. That doesn't mean you're a bad person, you know? Beautifully put. Yeah. I, yeah. You put that so beautifully. Um, thank you for everything. Like that was very eye-opening and genuine and real and deep and all that shit is what I love (laughs) you know I love getting deep I like getting to the root of everything and I love you bringing a different perspective thank you you. I hope it was okay it's my first time talking about this stuff it was more than okay um as long as it's true to you then it's more than okay um if you have anything that you're offering right now or that you will in the future, do you want to share that right now? Like, Okay. Yeah. So right now I, I would like to start doing one-on-one with people, almost like, like a therapeutic coaching type of thing where I just help people come to their own truth so that they can break free from their physical and mental 
distress, like if they're having chronic symptoms um, and physical, I mean, sorry, chronic physical symptoms and mental symptoms, such as like anxiety and depression and things like that. Um, I would like to help people with that. So I do have an Instagram account. It's at you're already healed. And I'm going to have a link on there for you to work with me one-on-one. I'd like to eventually in the future have like groups because I just feel like it's better to be around people who are going through what you are because you feel, I wish I had that. I never did even Mm -hmm. to this day. Like I've had to do this whole thing alone, you know? So it's kind of like hard, harder that way. So I feel like one day I'd like to do that. That's something people are interested in. I don't know. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's what I'm offering right now. I'm just trying to get, I'm trying to figure out how to do this because like I've, I've done my work. I've, I've gone through this journey and I've come to all these realizations and stuff. And it's like, wow, how do I help people? You know, Mm -hmm. how do I, how do I put this out into the world where like people actually get help from this and like, it saves them years of like distress. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's what I'm trying to do right now. So that's what I'm doing with the one-on-one. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's what a lot of coaches do is like, they've been through their own experiences and it took them a really long, a much longer time yeah. to get past it or heal. And with you having that experience and everything that you've learned, you will help people get past it faster. Get yeah. to the truth faster. And, you know, the world loves their, you know, quicker fixes. It's not a quick fix. Um, I want that to be very clear. Not a a quick fix. If you really want it to work, it's not going to be anything that's overnight or anything that's quick. Like, so that's, that, that needs to be clear. Definitely. Um, You need and support, having support with someone who has been through it themselves Mm -hmm. is extremely powerful so yeah and um her her instagram is going to be linked in the show notes so thank you thank you so much thank you so much it's amazing yes thank you for having me i really appreciate it yeah thank you thank you